This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Tell Us Today, I happen to have as a guest a very dear friend of mine, Brandon Falcon. I'll introduce you. I think that the topic that we have today is going to be extremely exciting to a lot of you out there who are small business owners, micro business owners who are struggling through this pandemic. And I know I hate using the the word term pandemic or COVID anymore because people turn off from it. They're tired of it but we still have to deal with our way of working today, which is primarily in the virtual environment. Welcome, Brandon. How's it going? Thanks for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm glad to have you. Brandon and I have teamed up. We are writing a book right now, which we hope to have completed and out by the end of December, but it's going to be called Social or Sociopathic. And basically what this book will be about is how what we call braggarts or social sociopaths is what I call them, have taken advantage of digital marketing to uh, kind of inflate what their capabilities are and take advantage of people who are seeking out expertise over the digital marketing platform. It's going to talk a little bit about how you can protect yourself from these social sociopaths, but it's also going to teach you how to back up what you post in your digital marketing, which is extremely important, especially with us moving primarily into this environment for the next several months or a couple of years, maybe. Who knows? So Brandon, let's get started. Why don't you first introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what your expertise is? Yeah, definitely. Um, so my name is Brandon Falcon. Uh, I am the owner and founder of Falconics, uh, a social media marketing agency. Yeah, so background, we've been in uh, an organization for about eight years now. Uh, we primarily focus on social, uh, everything social from organic activities, content creation, uh, uh, literally anything on social. <laughs> that's, that's a lot to say there. Uh, and then on the flip side, we also run a lot of things like uh, social ads for different brands and um, help bring in leads or sales and so on and so forth. Um, I work with myself uh, as well as uh, 11 team members that support us uh, from graphic design to content creation and so on and so forth. So a bunch of us uh, band together and all focus on what we're, uh, we're best at. And uh, we service now about almost around 200 clients. So I would imagine you're pretty familiar with a lot of the, the social media platforms out there as well as, um, other ways that we as small business owners can, can engage with our clients, basically, in a virtual environment. I know that uh, some of the research that we've been doing for the book, as well as I've been doing on my own, uh, talks about how the digital marketing platforms, Zoom, Skype, you know, all of these have just tripled, even, you know, quadrupled 
in paid subscribers because yeah. that's the only way that we're meeting with our clients. What do you think of that? Yeah, absolutely. I think anything digital has really blown up here uh, in the last nine months. Um, and I don't foresee that changing anytime soon just because of the nature of where everything's going. Uh, social as a whole has been heavily grab, uh, growing over the years uh, and getting more and more and more momentum. Uh, and we're seeing a lot more of these other platforms or, or um, specialty services uh, really blossoming uh, during this. So we're seeing a lot more coming out and, and being known. And so it's pretty, uh, pretty exciting to see a lot of this change. Yes, it is. It is. Before we get into more of the specifics as far as how we as small businesses can benefit from the digital marketing platform, uh, I want to talk a little bit about what we've just gone through with the political environment and how the politicians have taken advantage of digital marketing to basically bring awareness to their platforms and, and, and their issues. What have you seen happen over the last, you know, probably two, three different election periods? Uh, I know that it originally started, if I'm not mistaken, with Obama, who started with digital marketing to get his message out there. Yeah, we definitely saw in that, in that era of uh, the election and stuff like that, um, that's where it really uh, took off and, and grew a whole lot. Um, the Obama administration really grabbed it and ran with it. Um, and really brought light to the industry that a lot of times they don't necessarily uh, deal with so many uh, mailers or um, print ads and so on and so forth. There was a lot more bigger digital focus uh, than ever before. And I think really this year we've seen even further, uh, taking that even further, uh, I think Facebook was claiming somewhere near about $200 million in uh, ad spend on their platform just on politics. Uh, and that was between the two political parties on a presidential level. We're not talking any of the smaller uh, elections or more localized ones. Uh, going on. So definitely a lot more of a focus there. And, and, and I'm not sure yet, but they've, I've not really seen a finalized answer on it yet, but I believe that was more so the primary spin this time around was everyone was focusing on, on social. Yeah, yeah. It's my understanding that Facebook has now started putting blocks on a lot of political uh, rhetoric that's out there for, against, you know, anything like that, because it's just gotten so bad. Yes, freedom of speech is great, but freedom of speech to masses like this, it can get intrusive. Absolutely. Well, this morning, uh, and we actually briefly talked about it on a separate meeting, that uh, Facebook administration, uh, more so Mark Zuckerberg, had come out and said that he is advising his leadership and his company to start to limit any type of content coming out that did not support the Biden administration taking over and they, they were the official winners and such. And uh, that's a strong stance because we've never really seen a social platform take a stance that they're going to help encourage one message only. Uh, it, though it does look like they're the winners, the, the government still gets this opportunity to run through and finalize, I believe they said December 14th. But this is the first platform saying that they're just going ahead and say the message is this versus that. Uh, yes. And, and, and I agree with you, but the, that that is not the platform to be doing that. I mean, right. you look at CNN and CNN has been Biden all the way, you know, and I'm not saying that you can't have your own, but when you speak for the public, okay, and you've got a platform that serves the public, it is not your obligation to um, restrict freedom of speech. Uh, I agree if it's, if it's something that's going to harm somebody or something like that, you know, um, you know, suicide awareness, being being careful with those kind of things. I understand that. But when you're talking about freedom of speech, your political views, you know, and stuff and things, 
just because you run this platform or you own this platform does not give them the right to be able to silence those that don't agree with the Biden election. So, you know, I, I agree with that. Anyway, moving forward, let's talk a little bit, first of all, of what you have seen that's happened since COVID started with your 200 clients that you have. What have you seen the reaction from those clients and what you're having to step up and provide for them, first of all? Yeah, definitely. So uh, I think all of us in the beginning when, when COVID really was becoming mainstream around March time, uh, that I think a lot of us went to fear factor in the first place and like, okay, what does this really mean? And once we really overcame that, or I've seen it in our industry, uh, about two weeks into that, that's where things started to calm down a little bit. And people were like, okay, you know what, my business is not going to be gone overnight. We just have to figure out how to survive and push through. Um, so one of the things we started doing was, was jumping on uh, separate meetings with our clients to help uh, encourage them and, and work with them on what are we going to do over this time period? How are we going to transition? Uh, and we assist many of our clients of every size from little bitty startups and one man armies to larger organizations uh, to switch gears and put a heavier focus on that digital environment, uh, additional footprint um, for their brand and such. And uh, it, it seems pretty successful. Um, so far, we've not, luckily, a, a blessing, we've not really lost uh, any clients or, or, or our clients have not lost too much that it's it's caused our business to go under nothing of that sort. For the most part, we've been pretty stable as our organization and our clients' organizations have stayed pretty consistent. Um, we've all seen a dip. We've all seen, obviously, uh, the, the fear factoring in, but the businesses as a whole have, have stayed successful, which is giving me hope that, that, obviously, as a country, we're resilient and as small businesses that we're resilient and pushing through. So Right. I think the biggest, the biggest um, hurdle that we had to overcome at the beginning of COVID is we hadn't worked um, virtually when it came yeah. to, I mean, a perfect example is my, my sister is a, uh, an assistant dean at Daytona State College, and she called mm -hmm. in a panic because all of a sudden they, she couldn't conduct her classes, and they had basically told her, you need to start doing your classes online. Well, she had no idea what tools were out there or how she should do it, and the college wasn't really helping her at the time. So she immediately came to me and said, Dana, how do I do this? How do I conduct my classes online and assess my students, you know, and all this other stuff? So she had a rough time, but it really only took her about maybe two, two and a half weeks to get through that period. But you look at students, the kids that were not allowed to come back to school. They missed the first, the last half of the school year last year, and then, and then they couldn't start this year. Not only were they dealing with the fact that there's this pandemic out there that could make them sick, but at the same time, these young kids, and I'm not talking, I'm talking elementary students, you know, maybe middle yeah. students, okay? These young kids are learning how to wear masks all the time. We've been raised to embrace that camaraderie, you know, our friends, you know, have fun, you know, and stuff, and now we're forced to stay six feet away. It's, it's just, it's depressing the way that is. With business, when you rely heavily on that face-to-face -face contact, it's very difficult to read prospects, to read customers, and ensure that you're meeting their expectations when you have to do it virtually, even yeah. with Zoom, okay? And have you heard any of that from your clients? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we've heard some struggles uh, with different individuals struggling to go digital. Uh, obviously, it's different every organization, every company and such. 
But for the most part, I think we've all had to understand that it's, it's an adapt. Uh, we have to adapt and do the best we can. <laughs> that's what, that's best. Do the best we can, and that's about um, it. Yeah. And, and we, I've not had a whole lot of struggle. A lot of people that, that didn't get it. Um, one of the first things for our organization we did when we first uh, uh, rolled out or during COVID, we we're going all digital. For the most part, already we were already a digital organization. Mm-hmm. Um, we just felt for that there was no need to go storefront and carry that larger overhead. So we were encouraging people that, hey, we've been successful doing it. You can do it as well. These are the things that we've utilized. And we actually sent out a help packet of these are the tools we use. Here's a couple of quick start uh, help videos, uh, uh, like how to actually set up a Zoom account and stuff like that. Um, funniest thing with that is, is when that did roll out uh, and we sent it out, that was one of the first YouTube videos we've ever had go viral was uh, a video just telling people how to use Zoom. We, we had no expectations. Overnight blew up just people wanting to look at how to utilize Zoom and for yeah. their company, and uh, and it worked. And uh, yeah, it, like I said, it really was a transition. I mean, like one of our, our, our local contacts, our, our chamber of commerce here, was not quite sure either. And I, and I remember uh, them reaching out, uh, kind of worried, not sure sure what to do. And uh, I was like, you can use my portal, uh, try mine out. And they ran with it for a couple of weeks, and they fired up their very own once they felt comfortable. And as you know, we've been running digitally for them for six oh, months. Yeah. In fact, our first live event was yep. yesterday after like almost nine months. Even so, and, and what was really cool about how they handled the live event yesterday is they had wristbands, different colored wristbands. And wow. basically it, what those wristbands talk to is how comfortable were you with social distancing? For instance, there was a wristband that was okay. total social distancing, stay six feet away from me with a mask, you know, that type deal. Yeah. Then there was another one where it's, you know, um, you don't have to keep the social distancing if you have the mask. You know, and then you have others that are, it doesn't matter to me. What I found is a lot of them, once they started feeling more comfortable in it, and they took the mask off because mm. it's very difficult to talk to people through a mask and understand them. Yep. You makes know, sense. As far as that's I, I like that because it, it gives, uh, it gives everyone an opportunity to feel comfortable, um, reintroducing themselves to society in such uh, in a public manner. Because <laughs> exactly. I think we've all, I mean, I, I personally still social distance because my wife works with children or small, small children. So out of respect, we avoid going out in public as much as possible. Right, right. So I, I told- think yesterday was the first day I'd really gone out in public other than grocery shopping here or there. Yep, of course. Something like that. That was it. So I was eager to get out, but <laughs> it was it was exhausting. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about, first of all, before we get into where you see things going, let's talk, a, give, give a few little hints Let's talk about some of the tips you can give some of our um, listeners about how they can take advantage of digital marketing to okay. help grow their business. Yeah, definitely. So I'll, uh, I'll touch a little bit of, uh, of the high level of the couple things I see trending at the moment. Obviously, it won't necessarily be there for forever, but uh, for the time being. So uh, digital as a whole, we can always advertise uh, a couple different ways on a couple different platforms. You have your organic means, which is where people can actually uh, create a social media post and just post it to your Facebook news stream, your Instagram, your Twitter, your Pinterest, your LinkedIn, all those types of things. Those are completely free for any business and you can post as much or as little as you want. Um, with that being said, pretty much each one of those have the flip side, which is the, the paid advertisements, uh, where allow you to get um, very specific targeting uh, and go to a lot larger audiences. Um, with that being said, we found a lot of success with uh, a handful of platforms that are, are usually pretty good. Um, Facebook and Instagram, usually those are your key platforms that we found the most success with most clients uh, jump on and, and 
get a faster return on investment with those platforms. Uh, we have newer ones like uh, TikTok that has done really well uh, lately because it's really emerging and such. Uh, and right now they're giving away free money. I say free money, but for the most part, a credit for any small business that signs up with them, a minimum of 300 bucks, and they match dollar for dollar on any paid advertisement you do. A great example, for as little as 10 bucks, you might get in front of five, 10,000 people uh, to watch your video or 50, up to 59 seconds of a video uh, on TikTok, which is a great opportunity and send that traffic to your website. Uh, Pinterest is running a similar advertisement. Uh, Google is running uh, an advertisement as well, even though it's not social, that if you've uh, run ads before this year, uh, before really COVID became a thing, uh, that if you did and you had stopped it around that time or before that time, they're actually giving a credit to any business has, that has previously run ads, uh, trying to get them to gear back up and, and, and really Google do their, their part to help the, the community and the businesses and such. Uh, so we're seeing a lot of different social platforms step up and actually help the small business. But each one of these platforms are allowing for great opportunity to really get out there to the masses for a lot of small businesses who have not taken advantage of uh, digital advertisement before. Very good. Very good. No, that's, that's very interesting. You know, it's nice to see that, especially with my viewpoint as far as business and small business is concerned, that these companies are willing to put themselves out there to help other small businesses and, and micro businesses. Granted, it's going to help them, but it's also to help these small businesses, you know, continue to keep those doors open during all of this. Absolutely. We notice it's very, very much a cycle. It, it is benefit the end customer at first, and then in long term, they, in theory, will find uh, success with it uh, and continue to come back and find uh, a lasting success. Right. And we were talking yesterday um, during one of your training sessions with my team, okay, you were talking a little bit about the scheduling posts, the social media posts, kind of give a little bit of insight of what we as business owners should be thinking about. Okay, yeah. what are some rules of thumb when we're setting up our social media, our digital marketing calendar, what we should be thinking? Definitely. So uh, for the, your last portion there about uh, setting up that calendar, um, I, I strongly agree with the fact that I think you need to come in with a plan. Uh, I think that's the core of it. I think there's a lot of areas that, as you know, and most business owners know, you have to be very strategic about your actions to be successful. Um, so actually creating a plan, and I, what I like to do is I usually make a, a six-week, what I call a story, uh, whatever service or product I want to push, I usually push it for about a six-week period, uh, and then I make strategies or content calendars for about a 90-day period, because typically that's uh, the range of when these social platforms change their algorithms, they change how they function, um, they change very rapidly, usually about every 90 days, they'll make some sort of significant change to, to, to mix up the pot, keep it an even playing field for everyone. Um, with that being said, Thinking about your, your six-week period and some of the fun facts, uh, usually I like to recommend people to come in with a three to five key topics they want to cover over that course of six weeks, um, define days or schedules that they wish to utilize that so their following can get used to that. Uh, and then next to that, I would say on your core platforms, which is usually your Facebook and your Instagram, those are really your giant platforms that are, have a, the biggest audiences. Um, most of them require a post frequency uh, of usually three to five times in a week to stay relevant. Uh, and a lot of businesses don't realize that, that, hey, this is like uh, doing homework or changing your oil in your car. If you stop doing it, you can cause harm. Um, in this case, it would cause harm with you're not getting views and exposure. You're, you're I don't want to say wasting your time, but it's some part, uh, waste, waste your efforts. Um, so being consistent is key. So usually I recommend businesses, even on the lowest end, plan out for three times a week, uh, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Um, 
it, their algorithm, I can go in more detail later on with it, but uh, their algorithms are usually designed that if you operate nine to five, uh, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays are the optimal times to actually stay relevant on the algorithm and uh, the weekends are not counted against you. So those are some little fun things. I mornings or afternoons better? Um, it bases it off of audience. So it actually doesn't, it's not specific to a certain individual or a certain company. Uh, it's based off a handful of things. So A, your uh, demographic, uh, your, your geofence. So obviously uh, we might end our day at 5 p.m. Eastern time and on the Pacific, obviously they're several hours behind us. Um, so if you are a national brand, then you would not want to only focus on a certain time zone, of course. Uh, with that being said, we've also noticed a lot of times, like say if we're targeting business customers or B2B, um, posting later in the afternoons or early in the mornings are the best times to get in front of them. Uh, and boy, you think about it, I know that's exactly it. I don't personally get to look at my own socials, even though I run it for a company, uh, except early in the morning before I start my day or late in the evening after I end work. Yep, exactly. That's exactly it. That's the way I am too, but that's not necessarily where my customers are. Exactly. And so um, now, and you've talked about a lot about the, the core being Facebook and Instagram, maybe TikTok, you know, that type of deal. But we still, we haven't talked a lot about LinkedIn. And yep. when it comes to LinkedIn, where does LinkedIn fit into? Because to me, LinkedIn is the B2B side of yep. things. Okay. Whereas Facebook, TikTok and everything, it might be B2C, a great yep. deal of B2C as far as that's concerned. Yep. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I definitely agree that uh, LinkedIn is definitely a, a heavier focus on B2B um, with, I would say its secondary goal is is, is acquisition of employment uh, is obviously a heavy focus on the platform, getting you hired, getting you a new job, uh, those types of things, uh, re re recruiting. LinkedIn does find a lot of success with that and, and posting regular business related content on LinkedIn is definitely, you will find a lot more success on that organically than you will on other platforms like Facebook and Instagram. Uh, reason being the platform is not as saturated as, as Facebook's and Instagram. So they actually allow a lot larger organic reach. Well, uh, I think, I think LinkedIn brings that credibility aspect to it yeah. um, because of the fact that because you're dealing B2B, a lot of times if you need additional help for something like I've gone to LinkedIn to find resources down in Brazil when I was down in Brazil, you know, yep. come back, say I'm looking for this down in Brazil. And I did get a lot of response from that. Uh, for those of you who don't understand what we're talking about when we talk, say B2B and B2C, we're talking about business to business communication or business to consumer communication. So I thought I'd better explain that before we go any farther. <laughs> we kind of forget sometimes that the audience is not familiar with the business lingo sometimes. I, I use LinkedIn a lot. Uh, I probably got a larger audience on the LinkedIn side because I'm a consultant. And as a consultant, it's more B2B than it is B2C. Although with the new products I'm introducing, that's where Facebook comes in and Instagram and this podcast, Charged Up Studio. That is a B2C more than it is B2B yep. um, as far as I'm concerned. So we've got uh, probably about 10 more minutes here. And what I'd like to talk a little bit about now is where do you see all of this going over the next several months or years? Uh, have you done any, uh, have you followed any of the research, the st statistical facts or anything like that? I mean, me personally, I don't see an end to this. Even if we see an end to the COVID per se pandemic, I don't see an end to the 
new way of working, the virtual remote workforce and things like that. So where do you see that, the future holding as far as what you do for your clients and your business? I I definitely think that uh, the world is going to continue to stay remote for, I think there's a lot more opening now that the remote is acceptable. Uh, There's a lot more software and tools that these companies have been announced or or seen that allow them to still monitor, control access and and, and the things that their uh, remote employees can do. And saying that, yes, I don't really see that going away anytime soon. Uh, and the reason I say that, I think a lot of us have found success with it. Like I said before COVID, um, we were already a digital organization. We, we remotely monitor and manage and work with our entire team, team uh, remotely. So um, I think a lot of other companies realize that, hey, that, hey this is, can actually work. Um, as where it's going in the future, I do think obviously we'll switch back to an extent. I think people realize that we need that in-person interaction uh, that's enjoyable. Uh, that we need that, that, the communication to be sane, I feel like. But I definitely see a bigger push to being more connected digitally. That is, that's what I believe in seeing as a focus. Um, one of the best examples, I, I think we've mentioned this before, uh, that uh, before I would jump on these a lot of different uh, Zoom meetings and different types of meetings digitally uh, or a phone call and, and be su- uh, sufficient. Now I use almost video every single time just so I get that personal touch because I feel like that personal interaction is so key. And that's that one area that I don't think you can really remove from business period from B2B or B2C, right. uh, one-on-one interaction. They have to feel comfortable with the individual at the end of the day. Uh, and I tell my customers constantly that that's what your business needs to be showcasing. Um, your business is to serve people and not, it's not to serve another business or not to serve the businesses itself. Uh, so when you show off the, the strong internal team you have and and how you can support them uh, I feel like that goes a lot farther than just trying to, s- to spread your business's goal uh, people don't do but do business with businesses they do business with people don't think that's going away anytime soon I fully agree with you as far as that's concerned you know uh, being a networker and and out there in the field so much you know yes it's been a huge adjustment for me to break away from that one-on-one especially as a consultant and move into the virtual environment, but I still need that face-to-face contact. Even with what we've been forced to learn with this introduction of the virtual uh, element, you know, the increase in the virtual element, when we think about it, and part of the reason why we probably don't see an end to this anytime soon is because it is more efficient when you think about it. It's more efficient monetarily, time-wise, everything. Uh, I mean, I would go and visit my clients on a regular basis every month, you know, and it would take me out of the office for three, four hours. Now I can get on, you know, um, and, and virtually go through what I need to with them and it might take half the time. So there's, those are some of the benefits that we have to be expressing to small businesses moving forward to take advantage of this virtual environment and streamline the processes and, and when we say streamline the processes, we're not just talking about your meetings. Let's talk about how you're going to streamline your workers. Yeah. Are you going to, how are you going to, we have our last session that we did on Charged Up Studio was about working with remote workers, protecting their mental health. You yeah. know, there's a lot of workers out there that don't do well yeah. at home. The, you know, they're not set up for it. My husband and I were just talking about some of his workers and they don't have a separate area for an office. You know, yeah. and they've got the kids running around and they've got the animals running around and they don't feel comfortable. But when we start talking about essential workers 
and those that are not essential uh, being forced to work from home, that's a huge bite that takes out of their self-esteem, their, you know, their emotional uh, compliance per se. So moving forward, let's close out this segment. I'd like to talk a little bit about where augmented reality, virtual reality, and AI are going to contribute moving forward to improving the customer expectations as well as the data received through that. Does that make sense to you? I think so. I'll, I'll chop up a couple pieces. And yeah. Then okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, obviously AI, that's that's been part of social for a while. Uh, and really, uh, they don't call it necessarily AI, they call it um, uh, an algorithm. But at the end of the day, it is a, a process or, or a system internally, a piece of software that's designed to think through, process, and handle, obviously, simple and advanced tasks. Um, Facebook's a great example for this. They've, they've really mastered this for, uh, obviously, you can create your social profiles and you post content and their algorithm will come out and say, based on certain key factors, the, the type of graphic, the text, the hashtags utilized, time you post, all these metrics, they'll come to figure out who can see it, how much should be seen, how long it should be seen for, all those types of things. Uh, taking a step further, let's say you're an advertiser and you're actually running ads and such, um, before you can actually publish any ads, let's say for even for instance, like right now when we're talking about the political ones, um, their entire uh, approval process, their first level was all powered by AI. So once you submit all your information, the AI runs through and says, hey, have you done any of these problematic activities that would cause you to be a considered a non-trustworthy resource? Uh, and their AI will say yes or no and, and kick back a response, usually in a quarter of the time what a human would do. Uh, then at that time, let's say, for instance, it, it got kicked back and you just were not allowed to advertise for some reason, um, they would send you a message letting you all automated uh, and uh, letting you know basically what has went wrong and that uh, giving you an opportunity to, to challenge it. Uh, and then at that point, you can choose to ask to interact with a human being and usually it, they will jump in at some point, but it takes usually a little bit longer for that. Um, but the neat thing about it is that it will just go out and start checking periodic things. It'll check your ads. It'll check your organic activities. It'll check if the profile's set up. And if it's not, it'll it'll prompt you with a uh, reminder to go through it and set up certain things to give additional exposure. And that's just one platform. Uh, I, I referenced that one just because they're considered one of the more the, the larger ones that have the most right. out. But uh, we're seeing a lot of that uh, on day-to-day basis. On a more simplified term, even things like the chatbots on these social pages. We have several pages we manage that um, do a lot of e-commerce sales or a lot of online sales. Uh, and to offset the uh, the busy work that a human would normally have to do answering like, what's their shipping information, this and that, uh, an artificial chatbot will come in and, and answer these questions. It'll provide coupons if needed. It'll do returns, all com- completely uh, AI-powered, uh, which is a great asset. Uh, and then augmented reality and VR and such, I think a lot of these platforms are really picking that up and, and starting to run with a lot more. Facebook, once again, uh, has taken advantage of that opportunity uh, and allowed for like 3D uh, walkthroughs of product. Uh, I think Facebook and Nike at one point had, or I'm sorry, with Facebook and Instagram uh, worked with Nike to make uh, 3D renders of shoes that you could physically see hovering around your room uh, or uh, put onto your feet uh, and, and allowing that augmented reality to make it let you kind of see what it looks like while uh, you can't put them on, which is a great opportunity with something like obviously COVID and this that we're going through. It allowed people to really try them on without trying them on. And uh, yeah, so I think it's a lot of brands. And, and that, I think it's important to point that out because ultimately what we're looking at is, is the experience. 
the experience yes. that the, the user has. And as we get farther into and more in depth into the virtual um, um, environment, we want to make things more interesting. We want to hold their attention longer than you traditionally would. You know, what is it, three seconds, four seconds? Yeah. You know, if you can't capture their attention within that two, three, four sec seconds, you'll lose them. So you lose that sale. But if you can engage them through virtual reality, augmented reality, the AI back end of it is the data that comes out of that interaction. Yeah. That's where you get those predictive ana you know, analytics. One of the things I talk with my customers a lot about, I just presented on yesterday, was touch point and understanding each touch point. Social media is a touch point. Facebook yep. is a touch point. And if you can't predict what your customer or potential customer is expecting at every touch point, you're going to miss out on a great deal. And so that's where the augmented reality and the virtual reality will help tremendously. Yeah, I feel when we build out strategies for a lot of our clients, um, they want that, like you're mentioning with touch points and stuff, uh, we definitely take that into account and we try to figure out how to utilize social as well as some of these other off social <laughs> opportunities to uh, allow our customers to have as many touch points as possible to control that outcome. Uh, I think we're up to now around 12 touch points for a consumer to actually believe in a brand and actually do business with a brand. Uh, so if we can actually implement um, social activities in between that and actually control the journey, uh, so they actually feel empowered and educated based off of their specific needs, uh, then they have a much higher chance of converting. And then that way we can actually predict and anticipate how much it will cost exactly. us to acquire a customer. Uh, and that's uh, and obviously it's been around for a while, but a lot of the marketers like ourselves have gotten really good at predicting those activities and controlling the result. I tell you what, it's, it's become extremely interesting and entertaining to see you know, what's coming out of the digital marketing space. When we get this book published, the social or sociopathic book, the social sociopaths is what we call them, to be able to get a handle on that so that we can protect ourselves from losing a great deal of money and time and everything, investing in a company or an individual who can't do what they say they can do. And just kind of protecting ourselves. We've got to be looking out for ourselves as individuals and as businesses. Once the book is published and we do our course, I think that will go a long way in helping with this virtual environment and understanding this virtual environment. Absolutely. And Brandon, I'm really excited to have had this segment with you. Um, I hope to have you back later on as we get farther into this new way of working and learn some of the new tools that you've un uncovered. And then it's definitely after we get this book finished and published, we'll definitely have to do some kind of a, a segment on that. So, Absolutely. I'm ready. All right. I look forward to it again. This is Dana Olivo with Marketatomy LLC, and this is charged up studio podcast, and we will talk to you again next week. And you can always reach us at info at chargedupstudio.com. You can follow us on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, and contribute to our platform on Patreon.
podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.